2: Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at PurdueGlobal.edu. Welcome to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Now get ready for Strange Things with Joshua P. Warren.
4: To a P. Warren, and each week on this show, I'll be bringing you brand new, mind-blowing content, news, exercises, and weird experiments you can do at home, and a lot more on this edition of the program, The Ascended Masters and What They Said. Do you know there is this weird controversial, ancient manuscript that, well, it supposedly tells these wild stories about the childhood of Jesus. And these are controversial stories because they are often not very nice stories. Uh, He was, according to these, quite a uh, mischievous kid, uh, to say the least, as he grew up. As a, as a human and, and gradually learned right from wrong, just like the rest of us do. It, which is actually a very interesting concept because, uh, I'm gonna tell you what some of these, I'm gonna give you some of these stories. I'll tell you what this is about and you can, you can make up your own mind whether or not you want to believe these stories are true. But the concept that, you know, uh, the, the character of Jesus was, not just automatically genetically perfect, you know, just came out of the womb instantly being a, a great guy, you know, is um it's kind of inspiring because it makes you think like, well, wow, that's, I guess, the whole purpose of coming into the material world uh, to live like a human is you have to go through the process that we go through and you have to learn and figure out right from wrong. Um, But before we get into this Uh, you know the whole idea behind books uh, in the Bible being credible or not is uh, it's a can of worms it's a Pandora's box I mean we are talking about stories that were written uh, hundreds or thousands of years ago And, and I say hundreds in some cases because there are more recent documents that claim they are biblical but anyway look uh but we're certainly talking about things that were written thousands of years ago they've been edited translated reinterpreted and i often tell people look i have personally published over 20 books i don't even know what the number is at this point and from one edition to the next Usually the book is different. There are some changes. There are errors that occur. And so, and that's just in, in my microscopic world with the books that I publish. So I can't even imagine, uh, the changes that must take place when you look at manuscripts that were produced or, or stories that were recorded thousands of years ago. So that's why we, I don't think we can ever take these ancient texts literally. We can just sort of get the gist, get the gist. And and that's why that there are so many um, self-contradictions in the King James version of the Bible, which you can look up for yourself uh, if you're interested in that. Uh, But, you know, there are all these stories that didn't officially make it into the Bible. And these are considered apocryphal. Uh, if, If you actually look up the definition of uh, apocryphal, uh, this is writings or statements of dubious authenticity. So in other words, these are, these are a, t- a type of writing that cannot necessarily be verified is ca- called apocryphal. But when most people talk about that and they use that word, they're talking specifically about the apocrypha and, and the apocrypha, uh, is this collection of these types of uh, stories, ancient stories and ancient books thought to have been written sometime between 200 BC and 400 AD. And, uh, it's kind of like the, the official curators and custodians of Christianity decided that these didn't make the cut. Um, and so it may be that What I'm about to read to you is, uh, is similar to this, an apocryphal tale. It's called the Infancy Gospel of Thomas. And I'm looking at an article about it right now. And uh, here is the overview. It is a biographical gospel about the childhood of Jesus, believed to date at the latest to the second century. Okay. So it's, it's very old. Uh, it's, it's very old, but you know, it still was written quite a while, I guess, after maybe after Jesus lived, I'm not sure. I'm not going to pretend that I'm some kind of biblical scholar or historian here. You can look into all those details yourself. If you're that serious, I don't want to get any emails from people like, Hey, you got the timeline mixed up. This is some old stuff. You know, most stuff related to Jesus is about 2000 years old. And some of these things about Jesus were written quite a while after he died. Uh, but anyway, uh, it goes on to say that proto-orthodox Christians regarded this thing called the infancy gospel of Thomas as inauthentic and heretical. Okay. So the official powers of Christianity, they do not, they do not like this. Uh, the author of the gospel is unknown. Uh, in the earliest manuscripts, no author is indicated at all. Um, and uh, it's look, they talk about how that this thing may have been updated in the Middle Ages. All right. We don't know. OK, nobody knows whether or not this is true, but a lot of people think it is true. And here's something also that's very interesting about it. Uh, it says that, um, the infancy gospel of Thomas was thought to be Gnostic in origin. So do you know, have you heard of the Gnostics That's spelled G N O S T I C Gnosticism, uh, which is a Greek word, uh, means having knowledge, uh, Gnosticism is officially a collection of religious ideas and systems, which coalesced in the late first century AD among Jewish and early Christian sects. And basically the idea was these groups emphasized personal spiritual knowledge above orthodox teachings and traditions and of the authority of religious institutions. Um, they thought that it was maybe a simplification to just look at the material world as, as flawed or evil. And, um, and they considered the principal element of salvation to be sort of a direct knowledge of the supreme divinity in the form of mystical or esoteric insight. So that's, that's some pretty vague sounding stuff I understand, but none, that gives you an idea, uh, how that maybe some of these very early Christian uh, types in particular, they thought that, um, yeah, the Bible is, is condensing stuff down into parables, but there's something more complex here and that uh, it's not just about some kind of a hierarchy with God and angels and the devil and demons and all that, that it's, um, it's something a little bit more like we might call the Christ consciousness or something these days. I'm not, I'm not sure if I can explain it much better than that. You can look that up for yourself as well. I'm just here to give you a podcast with an overview of this information. But let us get into these controversial stories that supposedly uh, relate to Jesus's upbringing. Because, you know, there are some significant gaps in the life of Jesus. In fact, there's a whole article here, uh which is about the the unknown years of Jesus. There are at least 18 unknown years in there uh, because, uh, you know, after the nativity, you know, after the, the miraculous magical birth that we celebrate every Christmas after that, there's not much said about uh, Jesus's early life. Uh, I think when he was around 12 years old that, you know, he went off, he wandered off into a temple and started having some impressive conversations with some of the elders there. Um, but there's really not much said until he's like, you know, 30 years old and he goes off to begin his, his ministry. So there's like 18 years missing here. It's actually one of the greatest, uh, old historical mysteries. What was Jesus up to during that time? Some people said, Oh, he went to India. Uh, or he, he maybe he went to Tibet. Uh, you know, he studied all. The, he traveled and studied all these other cultures. Most people say, like, look, no, he was just a carpenter the whole time. He was building houses. But maybe there was some other stuff happening. It's pretty crazy. Okay, time for a break. Uh, when we come back, I will tell you these stories, and you'll see how this ties into the concept I'm shooting for here. We're gonna dig into what is an ascended master. You know, I am going to produce at least one more kit this year. Uh, Something that I have found incredibly valuable in my life, and I think you'll love it as well. And uh, I may or may not talk about it on this podcast. If you want to know when it's it's ready and where it is, I'm not Amazon, I'm not Walmart, I don't have a ton of these things. The only way you can find out is to go to joshuapwarren.com, sign up for my free e-newsletter there. You'll see the little box where you type in your email address, you hit submit, and you will instantly receive a an automated email from me with some free gifts. And I write, all those newsletters with my own fingers, joshuapwarren.com. That's me. You're listening to Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. And I will be right back.
1: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. With BetterHelp, visit BetterHelp.com/strange things today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, hel slash strange things.
4: Welcome back to Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. I am your host, the Wizard of Weird, Joshua P. Warren, beaming into your wormhole brain from my studio in Sin City, Las Vegas, Nevada, where every day is golden and every night is silver. All right, let's finally get into the infancy gospel of Thomas. Uh, The text describes the life of the child Jesus from the age of five up until age 12 with fanciful and sometimes malevolent supernatural events. He is presented as a precocious child. Okay. So that means he's, He is smarter than you would think for his age. He's beyond his years in mental presence, Uh, who starts his education early. The stories cover how the young incarnation of God matures and learns to use his powers for good, and how those around him first respond with fear and later admiration. One of the episodes involves Jesus making clay birds. Okay. So he gets some mud and some water and he makes a little, little clay birds and brings them to life. And they become real birds and they fly away. And they say that that act is also attributed to Jesus in the Quran and even some other works. Now that sounds nice, but how about this one? In another episode, apparently Jesus goes to collect some water and some kid comes. And somehow gets a hold of his water. And I don't know if there's an accident or if the kid's being mean, but he gets Jesus's water and just sort of like dumps it out after Jesus went to all this work to get this, this water and it ticks Jesus off. And so Jesus curses the boy, which causes that boy to wither up, and die <laughs> okay this is like uh, i think of a, of a young jedi you could be darth vader or yoda like which way is this gonna go you're like oh man yeah. boy he uh he shouldn't have done that he he killed a kid and that's not the only time uh it says uh, later on there is an incident where some kid throws a stone at Jesus or punches him or something along those lines. And guess what? Jesus strikes that kid dead also. I mean, I mean, I, you, maybe he's just trying to get his bearings on this skill. He has, he goes, oh man, I was, I went a little overboard. Um It's like Superman trying to give somebody a, a little shove. And you're like, oh man, I just tossed that guy through a concrete wall. I don't know. But anyway, um, so apparently the neighbors are not happy about Jesus killing all these kids. <laughs> I know. You, you, uh, surely you find the humor in this. Uh, and the neighbors complain to Jesus's parents, Joseph and Mary. But that ticks Jesus off that the neighbors are complaining. And so he decides to go easy on them and he just strikes them blind. Uh, and uh, at some point, uh, I guess Mary or Joseph had to sit down and be like, look, dude, just because you can do this does not mean you should do this. You've got to get this thing under control. And, and he starts learning more and, and he's, he's kind of arrogant and he's hard, and stubborn and bullheaded and all that kind of stuff. But gradually he starts using his power for good purposes. Uh, for example, you know, he's working as, as a, as a carpenter, like helping his dad out. And there is some guy who falls from a roof and, uh, and dies. And so Jesus uses his power to bring that guy back to life. And then there is a guy who cuts his foot with an ax. And then, uh, Jesus is, uh, he heals the guy's foot. Um, There are all kinds of different, you know, little situations. I think like at one point as Jesus is, uh, helping out his, um, helping out his dad, the carpenter, Joseph, uh, his, his, Joseph goes, ah, I cut this board or whatever, you know, like two inches or six inches too short. And Jesus just reaches down and goes and just stretches that board out. And so anyway, um, gradually, gradually, he begins to realize that I have this incredible power and I can now use this for good purposes. And I'm giving you quite a, a general overview here, of course. But again, this is all I can do for you in a podcast. But I think that um, this is, whether it's true or not, it is an interesting concept, isn't it? Because there is this great mystery of what happened to Jesus for all all of these years, and we know so little about his upbringing, and yet this is um, arguably uh, the most famous figure in all of human history. Uh, I I realize there are some people out there who believe that Jesus was entirely fictional. Well, okay, if you believe that, then it doesn't matter. It's still a, a, a figure that has had a profound impact on how people think and live their lives. And so I find this really interesting that there is this concept out there, as exemplified by these stories, that life is supposed to be a big classroom you know don't feel too bad about mistakes that you've made you look back and you think i was ignorant or i was mean-spirited or i was being reactionary or whatever you you might not need to beat yourself up so badly as long as you are willing to learn you're like the prodigal son you learn and you change and you improve and then you come back and and the idea here is that even this divine spirit, Jesus, had to learn and grow and therefore ascend. And so you might think about yourself right now and be like, man, um, I, I wish I could be some, uh, wonderful, benevolent spiritual being. Well, guess what? That's the whole idea. You can. Follow these examples and you can change and you can improve and you can be a better person and make wiser decisions starting right now. The life you have is a classroom. And I want to pause for just a moment to say that, you know, my whole life, I've always been talking about uh, the spirit, the idea of a spiritual realm and uh, just about everything that happens in the Bible uh has a paranormal connotation. You know, the Bible is the most paranormal book ever written. I mean, it's, it's got all the goodies in there. So <laughs> magic and spirits and angels and demons and UFOs and you know, other, I mean, like all of it's in the Bible, healings and miracles. Um, and I know you might look back and, and look at uh, an ancient text like the Bible and say, well, I've never seen any of that stuff, like like hey, I maybe you've seen some remarkable things, but it's not like that an angel shows up and has dinner with you or something like they used to do back in the days uh back in those days, apparently um but but just I want you to keep this in mind. we don't know what to believe about anything if we don't personally experience it, right it's kind of it kind of goes back to that gnostic thing, it's like I've never been. On the moon. So it's, it is a leap of faith for me to say humans have been to the moon. I believe that, but I can't say that I know for a personal fact. And even if I did, you, you know, as, as Edgar Allan Poe said, uh, in his famous poem, all but we see or seem is but a dream within a dream. So how do you really know anything? Right. And so that's why I've, I've always found it interesting that, uh, I, I think that there's no way that a uh, a rational person can be an atheist because to say I am an atheist means I know that I believe there is no fill in the blank. you know that um and a lot of people uh misuse skepticism as well skepticism. It's like somebody doesn't believe in a ghost or a Bigfoot or whatever. They're like, Oh, he's skeptical. Well, skepticism is different than debunking. You know, a skeptic is supposed to be somebody who just doubts. It's okay to doubt, but you should doubt. You should be skeptical. You doubt things. You reserve judgment. But when you make a judgment, you say, no, this is wrong. This is wrong. This, you are moving often beyond skepticism into what is usually cynicism in many cases, which is an inclination to believe that people are motivated purely by self interest, which is often financial, but it could be a number of things. And that's, that's a very negative way of viewing the world to be a cynical debunking person. Um, I think that if you, you should, if you're a blind believer in something, That may not be rational, and if you are a blind disbeliever in something, that may not be rational. It may be that the only thing that you can do that makes any philosophical sense is to be some form of an agnostic, meaning that you're not smart enough to know, necessarily. You're not smart enough to know. Uh, Always give yourself some wiggle room there. I mean, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. But you're here to learn. Okay, fine. Oh, fine. So, what are we here to learn? What do the ascended masters all say? What do they want us to do? Well, when we come back, I'm going to break it down for you. I'm going to save you many years of... Study in Tibet. <laughs> I'm Joshua P. Warren. You're listening to Strange Things on the iHeartRadio Radio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. I'll be back after these important messages.
2: Come. <music>
4: Welcome back to Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. I'm your host, Joshua P. Warren, and this is the show where the unusual becomes usual. What are the ascended masters? Well, have you ever heard of Madame Blavatsky? Helena Blavatsky. Um, she was a Ukrainian author. Uh, let's see here. She was born in 1831, died in 1891. And she co founded something called the Theosophical Society in 1875. And she gained an international following as the leading theoretician of theosophy in fact i wrote about madame blavatsky and some about her work in my book use the force a jedi's guide to the law of attraction and uh i could sit here and do a whole podcast just about madame blavatsky trust me um but you can i don't we're 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 just going to talk about uh, some of the things she was into here, getting back to theosophy. Now I'm just looking at the, the Wikipedia definition of theosophy and it says it is a religion established in the United States during the late 19th century, founded primarily by a uh, immigrant. Helena Blavatsky draws its teachings from her writings Uh, characterized by scholars of religion as both a new religious movement and part of the occult stream of Western esotericism. It draws upon both older European philosophies, so as Neoplatonism and Asian religions such as Hinduism and Buddhism. As presented by Blavatsky, Theosophy teaches that there is an ancient and secret brotherhood of spiritual adepts known as the masters who although found around the world are centered in Tibet. And these masters are alleged by Blavatsky to have cultivated great wisdom and supernatural powers. And theosophists believe that it was they who initiated the modern theosophical movement through disseminating their teachings via Blavatsky they believe these masters are attempting to revive knowledge of an ancient religion once found around the world and which will come again to eclipse the existing world religions. Theosophical groups do not refer to their system as a religion. Uh, theosophy preaches the existence of a single divine absolute. And basically it goes on to say that these ascended masters are here to promote values of universal brotherhood and social improvement. So that's basically what theosophy is about. And so if you look up, well, what? okay, what's an ascended master? Ascended masters is in the ascended master teachings of a number of movements in the theosophical tradition and are held to be spiritually enlightened beings who in past incarnations were ordinary humans, but who have undergone a series of spiritual transformations originally called initiations. Okay, so, I mean, like, look, there's a lot of room here to get creative with thinking about these enlightened Ascended masters, and I would, I would imagine they transform from, you know, one type of being to another, and they are just here to help us out and to enlighten us. And, and so examples of those that are believed to be ascended mas- uh, masters, um, by many of these organizations are people like Jesus, uh, Buddha, Confucius, uh, even uh Mother Mary, uh Enoch, Saint Germain, uh you know, I, I guess it's it's a bit of a subjective thing, uh exactly how one defines uh, an ascended master. But uh that is the idea that these, these beings are here and they're trying to help us improve, and it's kind of interesting. When you start looking at some of these people that might be considered an ascended master or or related to that, you look at some of these titles that people have. uh, You know, she's talking about Tibet here. And uh, one of my favorite movies is called Kundun. That's a Martin Scorsese film, which is kind of difficult to find these days. It's spelled K-U-N-D-U-N. And it's about the life of the current Dalai Lama. And, uh, all the political turmoil that he went through. As a matter of fact, uh, Dalai Lama, that word actually means, let's see, I wasn't sure. Okay. So it says here, it's a combination of these words. Dali means big or ocean. Okay. Which makes sense. And then this word, uh, blama, which means master or guru. So. Hey, big master. He's the big guru. All right. That makes sense. Um, but this movie is called Kundun. And I think that's really interesting because if you actually look up what Kundun means, uh, Kundun, which refers to this person embodied by the Dalai Lama, Kundun means present or presence. And and that really is profound if you stop and think about it. Because that may be the one thing that most of us are missing is being aware of the present. We're always worried about the past or we're stressing about the future. But there's something mystical about being present. Um... Maybe that's the hardest thing to achieve, huh? To just be present? Uh, you know, you've, you hear about people like Mahatma Gandhi. Uh, I was like, well, what, is that, what does Mahatma mean? Well, um, it means great soul. Mahatma means great soul. So, you know, these are different cultures around the world that are using, uh, language that, uh, it, uh Hence at the idea that some people have a deeper soul and a greater connection to what's spiritually important. And um, getting back to the current Dalai Lama, however, you know, I, I've mentioned before one of my favorite quotes by him, which is also in my book, Use the Force. Uh, he says, there's no benefit in worrying whatsoever if there is a solution to a problem, then there's no need to worry. And if there is no solution, well, then there's no need to worry. (laughs) Right. And it's, it's, it's so simple, but it's so difficult for us to grasp that and to embrace that and to live by that. Also, um, you may or may not know this. I have written some novels, uh, just not many, maybe a couple, I think, (laughs) uh, Fiction, yeah. One of them is called The Gringo Maniac Murder Spree. And it's, uh, it's an R rated manuscript in terms of like language. It's got some uh, language and violence in it. It's kind of like a Quentin Tarantino story. And, um, yeah, The Gringo Maniac Murder Spree. If you're, if you're a big, a big fan, you, you may as well go to Amazon and buy a copy of that one, uh, if you like to read novels. But, in the book, I was talking about this scenario, which kind of pops up, uh, going back to like the, this, the student who asked the great, uh, Tibetan master, what is real? And the master replies that which never changes. And if you think about that, you can you can explore that quite a bit. But in my mind, what that means is, hey, from what I can tell, everything changes. Everything is in a constant state of motion and evolution and transformation. And so maybe nothing is really real. There are things that can be real at a certain time in a certain situation to serve a certain purpose. But ultimately... Everything's flexible. You can grow. You can improve. You can be a, a better person. You, you can help other people. But all right, enough of that business. Let's look at all these characters that are often called ascended masters. Well, what do they tell us all? They ultimately tell us two things, in my opinion. This is just my breakdown, my years of research. I'm going to be like I say, here's year's worth of of ascended master knowledge broken down for you in a podcast. Two things. Number one, they all in one way or another talk about the I am principle. Which is, you know, even in in the Bible. God identifies himself uh, as I am Moses says, what is your name? And God says, I am basically I am that I am. And I think what that means is this is about that concept is about taking personal responsibility for yourself as an independent observer of the world who can judge the world based on your own logical merits. And ultimately pay the consequences for your decisions and actions. When we come back, I'm going to tell you what the second thing is. And that if I have time, I might even squeeze in a creepy email. At least I think it's creepy. Maybe you won't. Depends on what you're into. I'm Joshua P. Warren. You're listening to Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast
0: Network. I will be right back.
2: Come.
4: Welcome back to the final segment of this edition of Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. I'm your host, Joshua P. Warren. And in my opinion, the first thing the Ascended Masters tell you, well, they, they, they talk in some form about that I am principal taking personal responsibility for yourself as an independent observer of the world who can judge the world based on your own logical merits and ultimately pay pay the consequences for your decisions and actions. And hopefully, hopefully you'll do well. But here's a little tip for you. It's not a popularity contest. You have to think for yourself. All throughout history, we've seen over and over again that oftentimes the majority of what's popular at a certain time is like a mob mentality. And we look back and we're horrified by it. You have to think for yourself. History keeps trying to beat that lesson into our heads. Uh We live in a pretty troubling time right now. Uh, where people feel like it's okay to jump on the internet and just be horrible and, and rude. And, uh, and then they run around and people are, uh, virtue signaling and trying to act like they're better than everybody else. They say, I know what's right and I'm good. And so I'm going to force you to do what I want you to do. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a contradiction. It's a self-contradiction. These people who often are like, this is the right thing to do today because this is what's popular today. And I'm going to jump on that bandwagon. And then they go out and become the thing that they supposedly hate. They become the monster. You have to love other people. And don't try to control them and manipulate them all the time. And if you I think if you do that, if you actually even if you don't naturally love people, I think you can train yourself to love people if you just sort of um are self-aware, you know, that's what, what the I am is about. You have to be aware of your your animal instincts that ch- I in my book uh, use the force I talk about your your Wookie like Chewbacca like you know sort of like primitive instincts <clears throat> to just be an animal you've got to be uh, aware of that and then that will help you to actually be a better person okay the second thing is no big surprise in one form or another they all say once you have that self awareness you use that to achieve a mindset of the golden rule that's it do unto others as you would have them do unto you do unto others as you would have them do unto you and um all of this ultimately kind of boils down into a, you know, you reap what you sow kind of scenario. But even if you don't believe in karma, and I know a lot of people who don't believe it, I happen to believe in karma, but even if you don't still, uh, the ascended masters were saying, be self-aware, use the power of the, I am of the observer. Do not be swayed by things that feel, you know, out of place or wrong. And, and so, you know, you, you should be a loving being. And secondly, You should express that by way of the golden rule. Those are your two things. I am and the golden rule. And I, you know, going back to the Internet, I knew when the Internet came out because, I, you know, I, I never even heard the word email until I was in college. So I got to see the world before and after. I mean, like right in the middle of my life, like, boom, the Internet took off. And I built my first website in 1997 or 98, so I've always been very plugged in. Uh, and I, I knew that the internet would finally show us once and for all whether or not human nature is essentially good or bad, because it would give people freedom to express, and uh, it, it would give people access to all kinds of information they wouldn't otherwise have access to. And at this point, I have to tell you, I'm sad to report that I think it's bad. Um, I think it's bad because there are too many good people out there who are weak and who don't stand up for goodness. You can stand up for what's right without attacking somebody else. Who's wrong. If you disagree with somebody, you don't have to attack that person. You can just say, here's what I think is right. But too many people are, are who are good are weak and afraid to do that. And that's a shame. Um, so look, Just If you care at all about the lessons of the ascended masters, every time you interact with somebody, I don't care if it's in person or it's on the telephone or it's through the internet or whatever, try to do it as a promoter of the golden rule, but be strong. You don't have to attack people. You don't have to try to change people. You just give your opinion strongly and firmly and make sure it's a good, positive opinion. Don't be weak. And that's why you have to remember that only the devil wants to restrict speech. My whole life is about free speech. Whether you like it or not, free speech is a divine right. The devil, so to speak, will take it away. The enemy will take it away. the darkness. Take those lessons. I've bowled them down for you best I can, and now you can go and do more research on your own, if you'd like. That's what the ascended masters are all telling us, and that's how you can apply it to, to your life today, perhaps. Here's a let's see an email I got from Thomas Hancock. From Oregon. He says, in September of 2008, my grandmother, who I was very close to, died at 99 years old. Being so close to her, I knew that her very favorite animal in the whole world, oddly enough, was the daddy long leg spider. <laughs> let me pause to let you all know uh, I, Joshua, not a fan of spidery things all right back to his email anyway uh, she loved to watch them and it was not uncommon to see her letting them dance gangly across her fingers just weeks after grandma's passing i went on a hunting trip with a friend of mine and we found a nice secluded area and set up camp we started our fire just before dark And we started talking about my grandma. For whatever reason, I had always favored saying goodbye to loved ones that had passed by getting back to nature as opposed to attending a funeral. So this seemed like the perfect time to reminisce about her and say my goodbyes. Well, about an hour into our conversation, we both noticed that it looked like the ground was moving. We turned on our headlamps to see the entire campsite and the bottom of our pant legs entirely covered with daddy long legs. I would say that an area of about 10 feet by 10 feet was completely covered by them. I was so overwhelmed with strong feelings and thoughts of grandma that it almost seemed that she was there with me. We let the little creatures be and they and, and we just kept talking as they crawled everywhere <laughs> After about 30 minutes of this, we decided to go our separate tents uh, go to our separate tents and get some sleep. The daddy-long legs were still everywhere covering the ground and after about 10 minutes, my friend had to get up as nature called. he turned on his headlamp. Stepped out of his tent and found mine completely covered with the daddy long legs. There were none on his tent or around the area we were sitting at before. And as his light shined on my tent, all I could see, uh, as his light shined on my tent, uh, yeah, all I could see were hundreds of spindly shadows. The next morning when we got up, we saw no sign of the daddy long legs anywhere and this was the only night this happened to us during the ten days we stayed at the site. So I <laughs> thank you for that, Thomas. I get the idea that that brought you some warmth and comfort, and I'm I'm happy. I'm happy that you, that you took it that way. Me, <laughs> I love my grandma, but I'll pass. I'll pass. I'd, I'd rather just. I think I'll go to the funeral. <laughs> I know that's terrible. No, my, my grandmothers have passed already. But seriously, I'm not a fan of uh, granddaddy long legs. Growing up in Western North Carolina, I saw plenty of them. All right. Uh, th- hopefully, you've learned something. Hopefully, you've enjoyed this podcast. Let's end it on a very positive note. As usual, take a deep breath. If you can, close your eyes and listen to the good fortune Tom that's it for this edition of the show. Follow me on Twitter at Joshua P. Warren. Plus, visit joshuapwarren.com to sign up for my free e-newsletter to receive a free instant gift and check out the cool stuff in the Curiosity Shop, all at joshuapwarren.com. I have a fun one lined up for you next time, I promise. So please tell all your friends to subscribe to this show and to always remember the golden rule. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your interest and support. Thank you for staying curious. And I will talk to you again soon. You've been listening to Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network.